and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland podcast of pain, also known as the preview show. Sunland have taken one point from games against Bolton, Cheltenham, Wimbledon and Doncaster in the past month, and yet still, and not the worst thing about the club, was today's confirmation that the Madrox team of Stuart Donald, Charlie Methven and Juan Satori own far more of Sunland as a collective than alleged majority owner, Kill Louis Dreyfus. For the element of doubt, Madrox, and specifically Charlie Methven, an Eaton-educated PR executive, as he's known, um, according to reports, claimed people in the North East don't understand business, alongside a whole host of derogatory and insulting comments. But after all, away from all the noise of snake oil salesmen, is a game of football on Saturday, which is kind of the reason we all follow this club. And we will be discussing the game today. And joining me again to discuss our game with promotion rivals, MK Dons, and their season so far, is Liam from the wonderful MK1 podcast. Liam, forgive my small rant at the beginning, but how are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, we're good. It sounds a bit of a, of a drama at Sunderland, but that's nothing new, is it? As we all know. No, it's not, mate. It's not. Hopefully it doesn't make it on Netflix this time. But uh, yeah, things, things aren't great here, but nonetheless, um, I was, I'm going to say nothing three points can't fix, but I'm probably lying with that. I think we need probably a bit more of a fix, but nonetheless, three points is always... Always nice on a weekend, and we'll start from the off. As I kind of just alluded to, you can't fail to notice there's a lot of noise around Sunderland at the moment, but there is a new manager there, but the team's bang out of form, like really out of form. As an MK Dons fan, uh, technically you still are our promotion rivals. We're still in and around the mix at the minute. Hopefully we still are come the end of the season. But from the outside looking in, this is the best or the worst time to face Sunderland. Depends how you look at it, really. Um say so, I believe it's Neil's first home game so it's you know it's, it's gonna be a sellout crowd I imagine back in back in the Mackhams in terms of that sense so you look at it that way in terms of you know there's the boyish crowd obviously the previous game at Durain Defoe returning uh, that was quite a lively atmosphere then um so yeah you could say we're up against it in many ways and obviously looking at Sunderland's home form regardless of the manager going it's still second best in the league so even on the previous manager, you were really good at home. So it's it's a difficult challenge. But at the same time, you know, as Alex Neil really had time to implement his strategies and his ways, his ways of playing. Of course, he had a week training this week, um, no midweek fixture, which I'm sure he's very help, very uh, pleased with in terms of that. But I would side with towards it's it's bad for an MK Don's perspective, personally, um, in terms of the new man, it's a bit of unpredictability. That's always, that's always that factor there with a, well, with any any team that's getting any manager in, um, and as as I said, you know, with that alongside the fans getting to see or the majority of Sunderland fans getting to see, and Alex Neil side for the first time, it could be a could be a recipe for success on Saturday anyway. Jesus, I wish I had your confidence in Sunderland, Craigie. Um, but MK Dons, on the flip side, you you come into the game on the back of a we'll say a board draw and nil-nil draw at home, but looking at the stats, and that's all I've seen, and that sort of two minute highlights you see on Quest. Seemed to be quite a, an entertaining game um, in terms of shots and in terms of possession. Um, stats indicate a fairly even game as well. What what was the weekend game like for you? Yeah, it was all right. Um, obviously, Ipswich are a very good team. Uh, they've basically got a championship goalie in goal um, in, in Walton. He's, he's very, very good. Um, and I, I'd say we just about edged it overall. I think we had the better chances. Uh, Twiney had a few good chances. Um, but yeah, Walton we'll saved them all. Um I, I, I saw some people saying that that puts sad automatics. I don't agree whatsoever. Um, I think there's a long way to go yet. And eight eight points realistically from Rotherham. Um, so let's say Wigan get I don't know six points in their games in hand, for example. So they'll be top. Um, but yeah, an eight point gap when you've got to play Rotherham them ourselves. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely achievable to try and beat. And as I've seen the league on this season, you know, Plymouth apparently were 
you know, guaranteed for playoffs a couple of months ago. Now they're not even in it. So, yeah, it's this top turvy league. But yeah, on to Saturday, it was, yeah, it was okay. I thought we played all right. Um, obviously, January for us, funnily enough, our manager were manager of the month. Uh, Liam Manning, you know, were manager of the month for the in League One. And we actually had about things like loads, well, basically loads of transactions, like double digit transactions for players in, in and out of the club. So the fact that, you know, Liam, Liam and team have managed to get that accolade for, well, essentially a team that was completely overturned in the space of basically two weeks is uh, quite incredible, to be honest. And of course, we've seen players like Matt O'Reilly go smash it up at uh, Celtic, which is excellent to see. Um, yeah, I mean, to sorry, try to talk about the game on Saturday in too much detail is uh, pointless because it wasn't it wasn't the best game in the world. It was two quite defensively solid teams as of recently uh, battling it out. Both had decent chances. I felt we edged it just about. Uh, which is a good sign you're edging against a pretty informed team um but the hope is that we can go to well from our anyway go to Sunderland on um Saturday let's set the party a little bit well a few teams have recently so um but fingers crossed we we proved me wrong um who knows but when it comes to current form I'm, I'm sure you know this but you've got the best away form in the league over the past six games winning four drawing two um, losing none, obviously, uh, and scoring, I think, is it nine at the moment and conceding four along that lines? Basically, yeah. you're doing all right. Um, your home form over the past six games has you down in, in 19th. So why have MK done been better away from home recently as opposed to at home? I think if you ask our manager regarding the home form, it'd be teams setting up a certain way against us. So uh, Gillingham's a prime example. When actually, funny enough, our keeper now, Jamie Cumming, was playing that day for Gillingham. Just sitting back, absorbing all the pressure, absorbing all the shots. Very similar to how certain teams played against Russell Martin and MK Dons last season. And um, us not really having the quality in the box to break it down at times. Um, but when when, t- when teams typically try to play against us, like play football against us, we tend to do quite well. And I think a lot of our away games recently um, have been against teams like that. Um, and I suppose the ones that weren't really was Accrington, especially where we were down, they were down to him in, in the, by the 30th minute. Um, and we were very similar to the home games, backed against the ball, trying to break him down. We're, we're fairly unlucky not to score, but yeah, we still had the chances. And again, it's no two points that felt like it got away. Um, so yeah, away, away from home, I think overall it's, it's, a, it's a mix of teams actually want to play against us, having the confidence to play at home, allowing us to release our sort of, I personally think you know, the best football in the league in terms of how we play it. And when we do play it on the day, it's you know, leaf or anything, anyone in the league based on the way we play away from home against teams that like to play against us. Um, and yeah, I think, I think especially when teams go to say the MK, obviously it wasn't the case for Sunderland the first day of the season, but a lot of teams see it as a bit of a bigger occasion um, just because of the venue they go to, they see the stadium and oh, it's incredible. And, you know, they, they, they play up to, they, they want to play in those venues realistically going into their careers. So they, they play and they play up for those type of games. I think it makes it harder for us. Um, and, you know, and, and I think some of our home games recently have been quite tough ones as well. So it's, it's a weird one. And obviously it's going to Sunderland on Saturday, who are one of the better home teams. It's a, it's a very interesting to see who comes out on top, the good home team or the good away team. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, our home form has been good over the course of the season. Obviously, Doncaster will write that one off. We're going to have to. We'll kind of go back and change yeah, yeah. it, sadly. So, um, and aside from that, you're looking at the one defeat being Charlton. So, you know, it's fair to say that maybe Sunderland fans aren't the problem. 
um, for those listening and understanding what I'm saying. Um, but last time we faced each other, you touched it there, that the 2-1 win, it felt like a big win at the time for Sunderland. And I think we had a really good start of the season and, and beating MK Dons and, and Wickham around that period were, were really, really important at the time for our ambition, which probably isn't going to happen, but was automatic promotion or still probably should be if we can. But you just lost your manager in the same way that we've just lost ours and, and you brought manager in pretty much on that day. I think it's fair to say you didn't really have much of a chance to work with the team whatsoever, a bit like Lee Johnson with this last season. Um, many people felt that when like Russell Martin had built a, a philosophy and a mindset and a way of playing and people from the outside of the club, I know you weren't as much, but were a little bit worried that bringing in Liam Manning untried, untested in a sense, and getting rid of Russell Martin, who'd done a good job or a good start of the job, might not work out for MK Dons, despite the fact he had a really good summer. But you sit third in the league, far from out of automatics, in my personal opinion. Obviously, we're going to have got four games in hand, but you need to win those games in hand, and Sunderland fans will know that's not always the case. How would you sum up Liam Mann's first sort of six to eight months in his time at MK Dons? Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. I, I don't think there's no way to describe it, to be honest. Um I think I think some fans will say he's had it on a bit of a silver platter in many senses with the players that have been recruited, and and, and to Ferris and that's true. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you've got a the whole, the whole point of appointing Manning was so he could carry on the work of Russell Martin. I don't I don't think the club were very um, I don't know what the word is were very discreet with that that sort of way of going with that. They weren't trying to get this new Mandarin who brings his own philosophies in. It was very much a carry on as normal, and you know. And that's and it was revealed to us when Matt O'Reilly left that the squad's ambition this season was to get playoffs at a minimum. And you know we're not comfortable in the playoffs yet. Don't get me wrong, but we you know we're we're pretty much there. I think as long as we don't have a complete disaster to end to the season, which I don't think, don't think we will. Under Manning, it's been brilliant. But yeah, we, we're we've achieved the minimum at the very least. I feel I feel this squad has obviously Lee Manning had to incorporate his own elements to it. Brought his own coaches, staff. Brought in the likes of Connor Wickham recently. Um, Connor Coventry, of course, Dan Kemp, players he worked with previously, which I think is a really good trait of his. You know, understanding players who don't how have a short turnaround as understanding the system whilst adding like really good depth to the squad. And if needed, you know, can come on and do a job. The Connor Coventry's done brilliantly since he's coming from West Ham, been able to understand that performance easily this season, uh, since January anyway. Um, but yeah, overall, is, is the way the way he thinks, I think he's a very neutral um head at the head, head of the coach staff, anyways. He says himself all the time, doesn't get too high when we, we, we win and doesn't get too low when we lose. And he tries to, and he's got a lot of personalities in that dressing room. Like my wife, for example, is a massive personality. And then him and Troy Power are both strikers who, you know, they, I think it's fair to say they do fall victim to getting too high when they're on good form and, you know, dropping it completely when they aren't, essentially. Um, and, you know, I think Manning's trying to incorporate his own style on those guys. It's sort of, it's very much a communication, I think, base. And, I think overall looking at his background, I, I wasn't, as you know, Gray, I wasn't unfazed at all when he joined. I thought the ambition was still going to be playoffs and top two, hopefully, because um, we all knew the squad was good enough. I think any MK Dons fan would look at that squad and say, especially now at the start of the season for us, we were kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. Like We've been in players like Scott Twine and we all know the quality of Master Riley already um, before he joined Celtic. And yeah, it's a very good team. Um, and I feel this season we actually are underachieving um, in terms of league position. But listen, I think with all, with all the with all the sort of transition that the squad's had, I feel to still be in the playoffs and still be where we are in third places. I find a credit to Manning and a credit to his job so far. I hate to bring it up and mention it, 
but I think last time we spoke sort of on a podcast, we did chat about Russell Martin and, and thoughts on him and the fact he moved to Swansea. I'll be honest, I don't watch a great deal of championship football because the one time we were in it, we fell straight through it and we weren't in it 10 years beforehand. So I'm very unrehearsed in the championship. But I mean, he's doing okay at Swansea. He's, he's implementing these philosophy that he seems to have. He's, he's still building that reputation. I think last time we spoke, Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of animosity towards him and the way that he left and the things that he said and the way that he did it. How's the feeling now, um, now that he's been gone six to eight months? Is it just like, well, that's in the past, it is what it is, or is there still a little bit of underlying frustration at him? Uh, that's, no, that wasn't, really, that wasn't any frustration from from my part. Um, yeah, I think, I think on the Swansea point, it's going to take a good, well, a legal level, it took him 18 months to get to the level to which it was playoff form. So transitioning that to the championship is going to take seasons this is at least two seasons realistically to get to the level that we want to be in terms of challenging for playoffs um yeah on the move I've yeah I mean I, I've heard I've heard bits and bobs about the move since since it happened um and yeah it, it does sound like a complete mess um and that's, that's the issue when fans don't really get communicated properly on certain things is that they make stuff up and then it it goes around and people believe it is true and then obviously you get elements that come out that you maybe don't think are true actually are um it's a very difficult situation i don't think many people or still to this day i'm, I'm not a big fan to russell martin and, and i completely understand why um i wouldn't say i'm a biggest fan either i don't have any animosity towards him but it's it's not exactly a situation that i'm you know very keen on him uh to do well because look at the electric club the complete obviously mess to be honest with you um turns out football operations on the pitch um but yeah, listen, I hope he does well. Obviously, he's had a, a bit of an okay start, I think, considering what he's trying to do. Obviously, he's never going to be an easy road. And I think anyone a part of the team there would understand that that's where they are right now. And it was the same with us um, the first season he was here. So if it's staying on that track, second season should be quite a positive one for them where they could be, you know, top half or even playoffs. So yeah, I think I think he'll be fine. He's got a decent coach staff with him, decent analysis team, and they'll do well. Um, it's a shame it wasn't here. It's interesting you spoke before about the the team and kind of what he's implementing and things like that in terms of uh, Liam Manning. There was a conversation, not a conversation, sorry, there was actually a, a presser after the game, sorry, which is technically a conversation, I suppose, uh, with Alex Neal. And he sort of nailed the issues that Sunderland have been having recently discussing the fact that there's too many young players playing their first season in professional football and they've played too many games and they're maybe a little bit tired, like exhausted. I think you name names, but Callum Doyle, Dan Neal, players that it's their first full season mixed alongside experienced players that really haven't had enough match fitness. And I'm guessing he's looking at the likes of the four and there's very little in between for us. You could maybe say Ross Stewart, but he's only 24. He's not exactly an old man. A lot of the players have come from either lower-end Premier League sides or championship teams or a couple from elsewhere like Bayern Munich, but not many of them have experience or they've got too much experience and haven't played enough. And yet, when you look at MK Dons' team, I'd kind of almost half agree that that's really similar. Uh, you've got Lewington, who's obviously experienced. Josh McAkron's obviously experienced and um, been around a long, long time. And Scott Twine's maybe not the youngest man on the planet. Um, but he's certainly not the oldest. Um, you have a mix of players there that bit of experience, but mainly a lot of youth. Why does that work for MK Dons and maybe not at a club like Sunderland? It's a great question. I think personally for me, it's just, I think we believe in youth a lot better than most clubs do. 
and maybe that comes to being a, a you know a young, a young club at heart ourselves maybe and, and that makes sense but I think whenever we've had, we've had coaches in even from like the Di Matteo days and the, the Martin Allen days in some senses we've actually believed in younger players I don't feel Sunderland of Sunderland, Sunderland for me have always been a club that have recruited like really like savvy um, aging not aging is the wrong word um, like veteran players in terms of like Seb Larson for example and of course the foes who have come in previously done really well for them and that's kind of the model from a higher up mod uh from higher up sense whereas now i'll see i just mentioned sort of the younger players there you know you are where you are in terms of um league position and then the third level of english football and i'm not sure you've you they're fully adapted to it and that's maybe why you know, there's been always talk about oh it's definitely Sunderland's year this year and to be fair i thought it was your year this year i generally did i thought you know to start the season you'd be right up there i thought ross Stewart would do really well and he has to be fair he's kind of been a one-man band in many senses uh, and yeah, you'd be we doing pretty much what Rotherham are doing right now. Um, for you two really hustling at the top and then the rest of us would have fallen in place. Um, and for whatever reason, that's not been the case. As I'm sure it's been moved on now and Lee Johnson moving on. But yeah, I, I just feel it's been a... I don't think it's this season alone that's London had this issue. I think it's been an ongoing thing for years. And I think you'll find that in most clubs in terms of issues that you feel are just rising to the surface now. It's probably happened three to five years in the past and it's still going on now. Uh, but hopefully the ownership issue sorts itself out sooner rather than later. As I think until that sort of resolves itself, it could be a, a difficult time for us and the fans. I think you've nailed it there, mate. I think we said earlier in the, the review podcast about Sunderland. Um, and obviously everyone's got a different opinion, but but one of the, the guests on the review show said on, until they go, I think it's always going to be the same issue. And I think a lot of Sunderland fans feel exactly the same way. So if you can see it from the outside looking in, I think, it's fair to say that that's maybe a, a valid opinion. Um, but back on MK Dons, touched on Scott Twine or Twiney, as you call them, as we all do pick up nicknames, as we do. He's been the standout player this year. He's, he's 22, he scored 13 goals, he's assisted nine. Uh, a phenomenal record, to be completely honest, for someone who, in my opinion, is not a direct centre forward. He's more of a, a wing forward, if you prefer, in the way that you play. But just how important is he been to the side? Oh, yeah, it's incredible. He, he is that game change you need in the squad. Uh, and I think if it does come down to playoffs this season, which I really hope it doesn't, um, I hope we're, we're in the top two, to be quite honest with you. But if it does come down to playoffs, then I, I think he is the player who gets us through and beats all of the teams below us. If, say, if we are third, for example, I generally think he is that good. Um, he should not be playing League One. Um, that's, that's for damn sure. And um, I think if there's a lot of I think for me, he he's closer to a Premier League talent than his championship talent right now. Um, it, it's very similar to we had we had the whole um, Lewis Baker and Deli Alley debate five or six seasons ago. When we were actually like went promoted to the championship for the first time as MK Dons, and it was always I think Lewis Baker was the more raw talent, but Deli Alley was the game changing talent, and he was so young at the time. He's and I think it's the same conversation with Matt O'Reilly and Scott Twine. Matt O'Reilly is technically a very, very good player, probably the best we've had at the club. But Scott Twine is that game-changing player who can just find goals out of nowhere. And he's very unlucky not to score the winner against Ipswich if it wasn't for Walton and his extreme length as a goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, I think every team, I think every team around this has had the game-changer. Obviously, um, as I said, Ipswich got Walton. We've got Twine. I think you've got Stewart. Um, so those, when I look for teams that are going to do really well, I, I feel I look for those game changers players, and I think Twine is that for us. And yeah, the fact that we got him for, I think it was 400k in the end from a tribunal. For 
I mean, that that is, I think if, that, if that's not signing in a season, I don't know what is, to be honest. He did really well for Swindon last year. And I mean, all due respect to Swindon, but obviously loads of strangers is, is one of my friends on here, if he's listening. Um, I'm guessing he's not going to. But <laughs> if he was, obviously he might, he might disagree with me here, but Swindon were absolutely honking last year. Um, they, they were really poor and, and they're eighth at the moment in the League 2 and they've improved a little bit, but I think a lot of things didn't work out for them. And yet he still got, I think, 7-20. and 20. Um, I'm yeah. guessing he got injured towards the end of it because obviously I think he would have played all the games and Sunderland fans will particularly remember him uh, when we were all watching games on streams which feels like a long time ago hitting the crossbar from about 40 yards out might be exaggerating that in the 94th minute um, but yeah he, he looked good for Swindon last year and a side that really wasn't pulling up any trees if we're honest so it's, it's not a big surprise but someone who I've watched obviously a lot closer um, due to my allegiance has been on the blue side of Glasgow up here I must be honest I'm sure people <laughs> know that I'm sure I'm not letting anyone down but Matt O'Reilly went and he's he's done really well for, for Celtic since he's gone there excellent in the old firm um, and Ange Postacogli at Celtic has recruited incredibly well you, you can't deny it um, how big of a loss was he and, and do you think the fee was enough? Um uh, yeah, I think it is, um, but that's on the basis that you know we know that there's going to be a sell-on clause if he moves on from Celtic. So, and that and that'll be a significant sell-on clause also. So it's, I think it all works out fine. But yeah, listen, I think everyone knew that Matty Rollo was a smash it up in Celtic. It, that's no surprise to anyone. Um, as I said, I think he, it's not it's not up to debate. He was one of the best technical players I've had at club ever. I think that's a fair statement to make. He was absolutely fantastic. A bit like Twine, to be honest. You know, the fact that he's playing league one football for. I think it was what twelve months technically, uh, but eighteen months at the club really was six months like training, not officially signed. Uh, yeah, it, it was generally enjoyed to watch, and I think that was the overriding message. And I think I'll say it on our pod, like, yeah, it's, these players are going to move on, so just enjoy them while we have them, because um, obviously we're still a League One club, and hopefully we're not come um, August this time this year. Sorry, but for now we are, and players like Twine and Riley don't come on very often. Had to wait five, six years for him really to come back again since Ali and Baker. Um, so yeah, the fact that we have them and hopefully the are more occur now we have a proper recruitment team in place. Um, but yeah, enjoy what we have them. Um, that was certainly the case with Matt. I don't think it's been too big of a loss. Um, obviously, I mentioned Connor Coventry coming in from West Ham. Uh, he's been fantastic as that kind of I mean, he described himself as a four, but it's more of a six for me in terms of his role. So being a pivot, um, just distributing the football, making sure it's um, tick along nicely and winning it back when he needs to. I think the first couple of games he struggled a little bit. Um, but after that, he's been absolutely fantastic. I think it's safe to say he could have been man of the matches back to back, um, the way he's performed against Fleetwood and Ipswich. So, really impressed with him. And then alongside and Josh Riquette, for instance, taking that more progressive role in terms of passing the football actually surprised me how well he's done. Um, I didn't think he'd do as well as he has, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's only, of course, only a good thing. And you know, Josh is a veteran player who's been brilliant to this team. But yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens when the likes of um, David Kasumi eventually comes back again with another injury. Um, but yeah, listen, I think I, I think the team's just full of depth now. Um, obviously, we had a lot of business on deadline day in terms of getting Kane Hessler in, uh, Dan Kemp. Um, I forget the other player. Um, who is it? I forgot his name. This is embarrassing. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, three players brought in on deadline day. And um, yeah, they're all brilliant signings, and it's been I haven't seen too much of them to be fair because I, I missed the I missed the Fleetwood game um, physically. I watched it on my laptop, so I watched Hessler, he did decent. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting how it all develops. But no, I don't think we're missing too much. He's a very good player, um, but we've got enough depth in the squad now to uh, push on. 
It's really interesting that I read today that he's he's aiming for a call up to the Denmark squad, which absolutely baffled me because he's played, I think, for England under 20s or 19s or something. But there was something in the Glasgow Times today. Um, he's aiming for a Denmark call up. Apparently, he's ed- eligible due to a cousin or something like that. So he's aiming to get into the Denmark squad for the World Cup. Matt O'Reilly playing for Denmark doesn't sound right, but good luck, I guess. <laughs> um, one name that Sunderland fans are going to recognise, um, which feels kind of weird, but it's League One sometimes throws up those names about people you'd completely forgot about, as someone we once paid £10 million for and, and sold for £9 million, uh, Connor Wickham. He's had a horrendous time with injuries, but apart from a really weird spell where he just scored against Man City, Chelsea and Man United, Connor Wickham hasn't really... Done, he didn't really do that much at Sunderland and then he got an injury and then he went to Palace and, and things sort of fell apart from at Palace because of his, his cruciate injuries. I think he spent a little bit of time at Preston beforehand, which didn't work out. He's landed at MK Dons. Has he played much? And, and when he has, does he look like the Conor Wickham of, uh, that everyone rated when he was 17, 18 years old? Um, he hasn't started yet, I don't believe. He's definitely made a few sub appearances. The latest one being against Ipswich on Saturday. Yeah, I think um, obviously it won't this won't actually get revealed to us because it never really does. But I feel with Wickham coming in to Don's, it was more the fact that he could be a game changer off the bench. You know, I spoke about having, we have different game changers on all sides of the pitch. So we have coming in goal, uh, Darling in centre-back, uh, probably McEachran now really at centre-mid, and then we have Twine in the 10. Um, and for me, I think Wickham, Wickham alongside Kemp really, uh, are two players who can bring some off the bench to which can change the game. Um, so obviously, he, he, listen. Last time Sunderland saw him, he's a different player, really different, different expectations. I think for us now, it's more about him just coming off the bench for twenty to thirty minutes. Say we're up against it. Um, say I don't know, say we're even down two 0 or something. He can come on, uh, be that physical presence in the box, try and support other players like Twine, uh, even Kane Hessler when he's playing. He's able to just create and shoot opportunities for them. And, you know, and if he scores it himself, for happy days. You know, on his day, he. he it was a tough finish, but he could have scored on his debut. Um, he's been okay, but I don't think his role was ever to come in and be, listen, you're starting every week. Um, as this is a big target, man. We're going to lump it up to you straight away. That's never going to be the plan. I think he was always going to sit behind um, Moiso and even Troy Parrott to some extent. And, you know, I think he understands that role. I think overall he's just happy that someone's taking a chance on him really and giving an opportunity. And um, yeah, hopefully it pays off, but it's uh, it's, it's end of season contract. It's, it's nothing too long term. And I think he... He understands his role basically. Yeah, I think I think he's had a really tough few years, and you know he, he didn't didn't fulfil his potential at Sunderland, and probably hasn't fulfilled his potential that was really high when he first came to the club when he started Ipswich. But I think pretty much everyone at Sunderland hopes that he, he cracks on and does well, just not on bloody Saturday, um, <laughs> which is obviously going to happen. Now that I've said it, um, we touched on Sunderland at the beginning of the show before problems that we faced the. The form that we've got, but that that can change. Form can change. Like it, it can change overnight. We could win on Saturday and, and go on a great run, and you never know. Um, we started the season well. We now look to be in a battle for the playoffs, truth be told, which literally is a, a bit depressing, if I'm honest, after the way we started the season. But and there's no right or wrong answer to this. I don't think anyone's going to be offended the way we feel at the moment. But a Sunderland side that MK Dons fans would fear, should you face us in the playoff? or based on our record in the playoffs and based on the way that we always seem to somehow bottle it, are you technically hoping that we're going to be there so you can face us? So if we look at the playoffs now, say say the playoffs going as they are, 
I'd be more worried to face Plymouth than I am Sunderland. I think Plymouth are very similar to us in terms of how they play football. Um, they've got really, really good players. And I think the time we did play in this season, we didn't struggle, but, you know, it was a really even game. And I was playing last day of the season also. So I'd rather not play Plymouth, to be honest. I think um, hopefully they, hopefully we're, you know, in the top two and they're down in seventh or eighth, you know, doing re-struggling because I do not want to play Plymouth. I think that's the one team I'm kind of want to avoid, to be honest. My ideal, if if it was to say this for, I'd rather play Wickham out of anyone. I think Wickham, being twice this season, they're, they're not a very good team, I'll be honest with you. They've got some decent players, but they're not a good football team. And knowing I like, they'll scrape their way back into the championship again, this time through actual legitimate way rather than PPG. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think if I had the choice, I'd play Wickham. And then I think Sunderland, Sunderland for me, slot in the middle. Obviously, we've played you once this season, lost, but that was if a... Uh, a manager who didn't even pick the team that day. He had literally an afternoon with him, um, got to shake their hands and that was about it. And we probably should have got a point off you. Um, obviously, this weekend will say a lot. Uh, it's, it's a different environment, of course. You know, I'm assuming there'll be a lot of fans there on Saturday. Uh, a lot of experiences, which a lot of us for a point of experience before, uh, being a quite young team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt to it all. I think it'll be a tough game. Of course, say if it was this hypothetical situation, we'd be going to your stadium first in the first leg. So I think for me, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be too too worried about playing Sunderland, but it would very much be the case of surviving the first leg and then just going you know, battering the second leg. If, I, if that was if that was my, that'd be my game plan. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I say, things can change, but I think in. Sunderland fan base will be terrified facing anyone at the moment, but this can change footballers. That's all right. Let's just pray to God and hope that something changes somewhere. Um, I think it would be a surprise if I'm honest, based on current form, but touching on what I've just gone on about and football's a funny old game in it. I can't remember who said that. I feel like it might be Brian Clough, but I could be wrong. Um, but if Sunderland are to win this on Saturday, how likely are they? Um, where are they most likely to do it? Where can they cause problems for MK Dons? Where, you, where are you weakest? Um, it's it's tough topic week. This is I, I generally don't think we're we're too weak overall as a squad. Um, I'm not being biased. I generally I generally think that's my opinion. Um, oh, you're you feel... for a reason, aren't you? So like, yeah, yeah. And I think the you look at it. So what what's the difference between us, uh, Wigan, and Rotherham? Okay, so we've conceded seven more goals of Wigan and sixteen more Rotherham. So that there's an instant sort of answer to your question right there. Probably the defence. Um. Now, admittedly, the defence has kind of mixed and matched over parts of the season. Harry Darling's been injured. Um, I think the only consistency has really been Dean Lewington. Uh, Warren O'Hara has kind of been all over the place, but he's been consistent whenever he has played, so that's good. Um, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily all down to the back three in terms of the goals we conceded. Um, sometimes it's been from set pieces. Sometimes it's been the midfield not tracking back properly and leaving gaps for like a 10, for example, just roam around out of a shot. Um, so I think, if anything, it's just finding ways to exploit the structure of MK Dons and break that down. Now, I think over recent times, we've been very, very good at the working on that. And I feel like you look at our recent results and you'll see that the amount of goals we've seen has dramatically decreased since, since the start of the season. So I think the way, the way you, the way you'd beat MK Dons is early. First of all, hitting them from the off straight away, first 10, 15 minutes. I think that's another common trend this season is that, going to these away games, especially up north and with a bigger crowd, I think we struggled early on. And it's taken us a good 15, 20 minutes to A, figure out the opposition and B, get used to the atmosphere, quite frankly. 
So I think if Sutherland fans can get loud early on and give the team a lot of confidence and say get an early goal, I think it'd be a really uphill task for for Don to get through. Not saying they couldn't, I just feel it'd be uphill. Um, so yeah, I'd say start fast and find ways to break down the structure to which not many teams have done this season. And uh, yeah, you could get a positive result. And that brings me to the final question that I always ask. You said positive result. I said that with my fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> I'll go with my prediction first. I, I think I've had a, actually more right than normal this year, but I, I don't know what the atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday. Um, for people wondering, we're speaking currently on Tuesday when the, the news of the ownership shares just came out and you know Twitter's washed with opinions and most of it very negative and understandably so. Um, so I, I can't see us winning on, on Saturday. I'm going to go 2-0 MK Dons. Wow. Wow. I mean, if that if that happens, then that is the biggest result of the season for us. I won't lie. Because, I mean, looking, looking at your home form, I know there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on and obviously the manager's gone and the new manager's in. But you know, you, I said to you, you're the second best home team in the league and you won less point than Rotherham. You conceded the least amount of goals at home. Technically, you're the best defence at home in the league. So I'm quite surprised you're, um, you're that pessimistic about it all, to be honest. Two words, Doncaster Rovers. <laughs> Um, okay. I mean, I'm not that positive about the game in terms of the Don's perspective. Um, I think it's been very tough. I think very tough. I think, I think for Sutherland fans, it's going to be either a fight or a flight in terms of how they approach the game. They can either, they can either back the boys corner on the pitch and really go for it. Or as you said, they could, they could turn ugly very quickly. And to be honest, that could be the side in the first 15, 20 minutes. I think if there's no goals or we take the lead, you're in big trouble. Um, because I think we tend, I said, we tend to grow into games away from home. That's been the way the whole season, no matter where we've gone from the Morecambe's to the Accrington's, it's been the same every single away game. Um, so based on all that, I'm going to go 1 1. I feel like I said, it's, this game's probably the most unpredictable for me the whole season. I think it's a very tough game to call, uh, and it could go many ways, to be honest with you. Would that be a good point? I think so. Yeah. Um, it's not what we need. I think we need to get wins now. We want to catch the top two. But listen, I think going getting against a promotion rival, so long and I said out loud the home form. You know, if we if we can get something from, you know, only what is only like fourteen done this season, get a point at Sunderland at least. So I think that's I think that's a good group to be in. Yeah, Liam, thanks so much for joining me. I think this is about your seventh or eighth appearance. I actually lost count. Yeah. So I'm a regular now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're not a returning guest. You are a regular, mate. And um, of course, I'm going to be, um, for some bizarre reason, you've asked me to come on yours as well. I don't know why. I know nothing about football. Um, so if anyone wants to listen to yours as well, obviously they can do. I'll put the links in the in the bio and on the tweets and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Liam, thanks as always. Yeah, no worries.